Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Mother Far From Home podcast with me, your host, Rachel Norman. If you desperately need a common sense, down-to-earth perspective on how to mother well without losing it, living in constant stress, or needing to escape your life, you have come to the right place. Hey, mamas. We are back today, and we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart as a certified baby and toddler sleep consultant, and that is toddler and preschooler sleep issues. We have a couple of questions, one about a two-year-old and a four-year-old from mamas, and I'm just going to dive in and answer those. So my thesis, my main point, I'm going to viene al punto to the fact that it is never too late to change sleep habits. It's just not. It's not going to be too late, okay? There's always stuff you can do, so don't feel like, oh, we got a four-year-old and now it's like too late. Nope, nope, nope. So as I like to do, because you know how I am, we're going to hit it straight. So let's go into the question we have from the reader about their two-year-old. Hi, Rachel. Um, I am wondering, our two-and-a-half-year-old still can't go to sleep on his own and we've never done any formal sleep training. Um, Is it still possible to do it at this age? And if so, how do we do it? Do we use the same routine that you do for a baby or is it different at this age he's still in the cot if that makes any difference thank you so this mom has got a two-year-old they've never done any type of formal sleep interventions baby's still in a crib or a cot as i say in the uk um is it too late so first point to this is no it's never too late it is never too late to help our little one transition and change and develop different sleep habits. Now I will say sometimes the little ones can get into sort of unhealthy sleep habits and sometimes it's actually fine, but then you get to a point where you're like, now that's not working and you got to make a change. So I'm not sure exactly which one of those, um, it is for this mom, but it doesn't really matter because it is never too late. So first, let me talk about a little bit. I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you're not averse in general to sleep training. But I know this has some negative connotations to the word. I mean, I guess everything nowadays knows, but it essentially, it's just helping our little one develop sleep habits, helping them sleep independently, helping them be able to get to sleep if they're tired without anything else. So this is like as an adult. Now, if you're tired, you can go to bed. You can determine where to go to bed, when to go to bed. You can make that happen. Whereas little ones who are dependent on, there's a variety of things they could be dependent on to get to sleep. They literally cannot get to sleep if they're tired without this. So what we're doing is taking them from that place to helping them be able to go to sleep when they're tired. They're sleepy, they can sleep. They need a little quick snooze. They can take one. They're tired at bedtime. They can just go to bed. So this is a gift. It is not some kind of torturous scenario. And if, and there are gentle sleep training methods and more mainstream ones, there's cry-based, non-cry-based. Although if you've got a toddler or preschooler and you're making huge changes, any huge changes make toddler and preschoolers cry. So the, the idea they might never cry is not a good goal because they're probably going to, they, but they probably cry from being tired anyway, right? So it's not like the goal of parenting should never be that it never makes our kids cry because that's impossible. Even it's impossible for adults not to cry and crying is healing. So crying, anyway, that's a whole nother, maybe I should do a whole nother episode on crying. But anyway, the goal of sleep training is to get them to do that. You can do fast methods, slower methods, whatever. But 
that is what we mean by sleep training, helping them learn to do it on their own. Okay. You probably already knew that, but I have to do a caveat because I get a lot of hate mail because whatever. Apparently it's better to have exhausted babies and moms than it is to spend a few days teaching them to sleep. I don't know. I don't know. Ever wondered what it means to have boundaries in parenting with your own children? Well, I lived a boundaryless life. It did not turn out well for me or the kids. And I realized that I, like you, and every other mom on earth has limits. We have boundaries, whether we've realized it or not. And we need to honor them if we want to live peaceful lives. I like to joke that while my book is called If Mama Ain't Happy, the real goal here is not happiness. For most moms right now, that's pie in the sky. The real goal, sad as it is to say, is not being depressed and wanting to escape your own life. So if that's you, if that's where you're at, grab a copy of my new book, If Mama Ain't Happy, Why Minding Healthy Boundaries is Good for Your Whole Family. You can buy the book any places books are sold. Or if you want to get a free copy of my Limit Locator and Boundary Building Worksheets, Google A Mother Far From Home If Mama Ain't Happy. Choose the first link there at the top. So now to her question is, is like, do I do the same thing that I would do with the baby as a toddler? And that's a great question. So there are some things that are similar about sleep training a toddler versus sleep training a baby. Now I'm talking about a more formal intervention where you're purposely going to, you're like, okay, this is what we're doing right now. We're doing this sleep thing. Not like little random things you do here or there. Okay. This is like an all out type of intervention that we're having. So let's just kind of think about some things that are different or similar about toddlers and baby sleep training. So one of the main big differences is that is behavior is that by the time they're a toddler or preschooler, some of what's going on might not even be a sleep issue per se. It might be a behavior issue. So this doesn't apply to the mom who, who asked the question here because her little one is in a crib. But if your toddler just keeps getting out of bed all the time, this is sort of it, it, this as it, because it's at bedtime, it relates to sleep, but this is sort of a behavior issue. They're not, they're just not staying in bed as opposed to it being an issue about sleep. You know, it's all kind of mixed in. Whereas if it's a baby and they're in their crib, they can't get out of bed. And so that, you know, there's a little bit of that factor in there. There's also the older they are. This is why we kind of suggest six months old's a great age because they're just not quite as willful. They're kind of more going to go along to get along. Whereas a toddler, you know, they call it terrible twos for a reason. Now, I didn't experience terrible twos with, you know, any of mine really in that exaggerated sense. But they are developing their own opinion. Now they're like, I'm sorry, I did this for two years. Like, you want me to do what? No, no, that's not what I want to do. And so you're going to have to deal with them being a bit more willful. They're more in tune with what they want. Okay. And for a child, this is an immature, and I don't mean in the sense of like behind, but just not yet mature. This is an immature mindset. I To think what I want is what I need. Whatever I want is the best for me. Right. So when we say, of course, kids know what they want, and often we know what we want, but that doesn't it is sometimes what we need. It is sometimes not what we need. And so like if a little kid wants to stay up till 12 till midnight, that, that's not what they need. They need sleep for optimal development. So we, by toddler age, they are know what they want. And this can make it certainly not impossible. I mean, in any way, but it can add a different element to it. 
separation anxiety can come into play at this age. They can be able to more verbalize being scared if you're gone. And this is makes it, of course, more difficult for moms as we don't want to feel like we're abandoning them to darkness. Okay, so that can add a little level of angst. Um, sleep terrors are more likely at this age. So, so sleep terrors are a form of confusional arousal, which is basically like they're in a deep sleep and then they're um, in the normal phase where they would transition to active sleep. It's like because they're so overtired, they kind of don't fully go back into active sleep. So they're kind of awake, kind of asleep. And this is when they might walk around the house or they might flail around on the bed or they act like they don't know you or they act like they hate you. I had a friend who was like, in the middle of the night, her daughter would have these tears and she was like, she hates me. But it tip, it can happen around the time. It can happen if they're exhausted. It can happen if they've dropped a nap or refusing. They're doing a nap strike, but they're still tired. So these things come more into play when they're a toddler or a preschooler as opposed to a baby. But does it make it impossible to sleep train? Absolutely not. It, no, 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 no. <laughs> Do you feel like your days go by in a blur and all those things you meant to get done never really get done? The good news is it isn't because you don't have enough self-discipline or because you're just lazy. It's because you need better routines. I created some daily routine brainstorm sheets with lots of examples for routines based on your kids' ages that you can get free on my website. Go to amotherfarfromhome.com slash routine sheets that's a motherfarfromhome.com slash routine sheets and grab these free printables. So to her other point that she mentioned in there that her little one is still in a crib, I want to say hallelujah, amen, great, great idea. It is not, if your child is not sleeping well with healthy habits and able to get to sleep on their own and stay there and all of this, it is really not a great idea to put them in a bed. Because then now you also have to deal with them coming out of the bed over and over again. So it's a good idea. And it's a good idea to keep your child in a crib until they're really sort of independently sleeping well. And then when they go into the bed from that, they'll just sort of stay in the bed and they'll sort of just if almost it's like a transition and now it's not a crib, it's a bed, but they just do the same thing. So this adds a whole nother element of drama. If you have a little one that refuses to stay in the bed or then they want to come out of the room and then this creates a level of stress. So if, if your little one is still in a crib, keep them in there um, if they're not sleeping well yet. So you definitely can do it. Now I have um, some links that I'll put in the show notes, specific strategies that you can do, but for toddlers and preschoolers, what the, the main difference, what you're going to do when you start your um, sleep intervention is that you're going to get their buy-in, so to speak, when they're during the day. You're going to explain to them what you're going to do. You're going to explain to them what you expect from them. You're going to maybe even role play. We have the four in my sleep class, which I'll talk about in a second. We have the four R's, um, four toddler R's. And one of them is role play. So you're going to maybe use babies or dolls. And so, you know, it's this baby's bedtime and, you know, they're going to go to sleep and then let them act it out and play it out too. They might play out some of their worries. You know, um, little kids are very good to be able to, you know, kind of say like, oh, she's scared or she can't sleep without mommy or whatever. So you want to spend some time. You can even before you start the intervention, intervention sounds, <laughs> sounds a bit drastic. Before you start this formal time of sleep training, um, you can role play for a few days until they get used to it. And so this is something that you're going to want to bring in at this age. Lots of cuddle time. And also I want to mention that it can happen. And I've heard this 
a few times is that sometimes when babies, especially if they're like kind of really overtired, it's like they get fussy a lot. They're not really sleeping or napping well. Everything's kind of erratic. They have a sort of adrenaline, you know, like their personality is sort of like amped up and, and wired. And once they start sleeping well, they can actually become much more um, placid, as they would say in Australia. I remember the first time somebody said my baby was so placid, I was like, am I supposed to be insulted by that? <laughs> okay. Well, they just mean calm. I had to Google it. But anyway, um, not that I didn't know what placid meant, but you get what I'm saying. It's like not a word you feel like is supposed to describe a baby that's like healthy. Anyway, um, they might become much more calm. And then you can think my baby's personality changed, but really they're just no longer wired with like cortisol and adrenaline pumping through them. And then they will, after a short period, come back up sort of to a balance. So just want to heads up, that is something to look out for. So what you're going to essentially do, and this is the core of all sleep training, you're going to find an age appropriate routine that works that you can keep. Then you're going to choose a settling method that you're happy to do and that you feel like goes with baby's personality because super social babies, like some of the more gentle methods on super social babies actually work them up and make them more miserable during this time. Um, and then you're going to just be consistent with it. This is what we're going to do. So of course, in the show notes, I have a lot of examples of specifics as well. Before we get into the next question, if your little one struggles with sleeping, I have got a great resource for you. My class, Sleep Little Lamb, is for babies aged six weeks to five years, and it covers sleep strategies for you and your baby's personality and needs. You'll learn settling strategies, optimal sleep environments, and wind-down routines backed by research and tons of experience with other babies that just really work. You can get more information about my class, Sleep Little Lamb, at learn.sleeplittlelamb.com. Again, that's learn.sleeplittlelamb.com. Okay, so let's listen to the question about a four-year-old now. Hi, Rachel. I have a four-year-old who goes to bed around seven um, at night, and about once or twice a week, she'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning for the day, and she wakes up her big sister as well, um, who she shares a room with. Do you have any advice for me? We already say, you know, if you don't stay in bed until your clock turns green, you lose out on screen time, but it's still a problem. I'd love your advice. So this is a great question. And I, I mean, you know, it's not a great problem to have quote, but this is, I just loved this so much. So the four-year-old is waking up a few times a week at 3am and it's just like, well, I'm done now. I'm done with sleeping and I'm going to get up. So this is obviously problematic for a multitude of reasons because parents aren't going to get up at 3am. It's actually our circadian rhythm. We need to keep sleeping until sun up, right? And this is waking up the sibling who likely does not want to be woken up. So, but this actually is not as uncommon as you think. And, and so I'm going to get into some, I'm going to answer this in a variety of ways. So the first thing I would ask, I don't know what's going on with this uh, little one, but this is a, if the little one is still napping, this is a clear indication that you got to drop the nap. So clear, like I'm telling you, we want to hold on to this nap until like the first day of kindergarten, right? Or if the homeschool, we want to hold on to the nap, like till middle school. It's like, you just see, you nap. I'm going to get some time alone. The nap is good. But at some point, unfortunately, the nap sometimes has got to go. Now, some kids can nap and this kind of throw us off. If we have some children that will just nap for like, you know, till they're five, we think napping is fine. But many kids by right around two and a half, even some or drop it early, but by 
three, three and a half, certainly by four, many kids have got to drop the nap or it totally disrupts sleep. So the first thing I would suggest if you have not dropped the nap is to drop it. And you can either go cold turkey or you can severely shorten it. If the nap is for two hours, you can make it a one hour nap. If the nap's an hour and a half, you can make it a 45 minute nap or even a 30 minute nap. If your four-year-old's waking up at 3 a.m. and then miserable, 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 and you know they're still exhausted and, you know, that's sort of different. But if they're just waking up and they really are okay, and you know they're having a hard time getting to bedtime, but they're still kind of holding it together, then we want to drop it. And now I'm going to tell you something that can happen that perpetuates on and on. So it's like the four-year-old wakes up at 3 a.m. And so then by nap time that day, she actually really wants a nap because she's tired. So then you could give her, if you give her a nap and it's quite a long nap, it just keeps it going over and over. Do you see what I mean? So we want to not give a nap. And even on the days that she wakes up really early, you, if she does fall asleep, you want it to be super short because you actually just want her to get to bedtime and you want that sleep pressure built up to be at bedtime. Okay. So first we're going to drop the nap. We're either going to go cold turkey, which I think you can probably do or severely shorten it. And if the problem still happens, this early wake up, you want to drop it. You just want to completely drop the nap. The fact of the matter is family routines make the home go round and they aren't just for the kids. I'm a certified baby and toddler sleep consultant, language of listening parent coach, and mother of five kids at one point in five years and under. If there's one thing that's true, it's this. Without daily routines and systems in place, life is chaotic, stressful, and anxiety-inducing. The only way to get our mom responsibilities done in peace is this, family routines. Simple family rhythms give you predictability, organization, and calm. My best-selling workshop, Family Routines Reboot, is a three-day challenge to creating easy, effective family routines that make family life peaceful again. It focuses on the whole family routines, child routines, and self-care routines. Visit a mother far from home slash reboot for more details. Again, it's a mother far from home slash reboot. So then the next thing I want to think of is this is something I like to call time in the bed. So if you're if your little one and by four years old, I mean, you know, 12 hours is, is can be pretty normal amount of time in bed. Some can go 10 and a half, 11, you know, if they're in the bed longer than that time, they're just not going to need that much sleep. So what your little one is doing is waking up at 3 a.m. ready for the day. But what some other kids do is they won't go. They'll get in bed at that seven, eight o'clock time, which would have been, you know, normal but they won't go to sleep until 11. It's the same thing in a different way, right? It's just the same coat on in a different color. So, but it still is relating to time in bed. So we want to just, one thing that you can do is if the nap is totally dropped, then we want to see if that fixes it. If you drop the nap and that doesn't fix it, I want to visit what time is bedtime. Okay. And what time is wake up time? So I want to make sure if, if the little one's just waking up at 3 a.m., I want to, I want to try, we've dropped the nap. Now I want to try moving bedtime back. I want to say, okay, if, if, if she's going to bed at 7 p.m., I want to move it till eight and see if this helps. Okay. Cause I want to shorten the time in bed so that she actually just wakes up. She just sleeps when she's in bed and then wakes up when she's ready. And then the next thing I want to um, visit is what time she gets up. So what this is a totally normal thing to happen is that 
kink gets thrown in the works, it all just goes to pot. And then it's like, okay, well, she was tired. So then I got to put her to bed super early. Like she's so tired because she woke up at 3 a.m. Now she wants to go to bed at 5 p.m., which means the next day she's going to wake up. And then that means she needs a four hour nap. But then that means she don't want to go to bed. You see what I mean? So what we want to do when something like this is happening is hold the line. We want to hold the hard lines of the routine. And we want to comfort her to get to those. Okay. Again, we said we are dropping the nap. We're going to move bedtime back. Okay. And then we might need to wake up early on the other day. So we might just need to tighten up, shorten the time in bed. And now it's a bit of a different beast if, um, since she's sharing a room, because if she wasn't sharing a room and she woke up at 5 a.m., but it wasn't time to start the day till 6.30 or something like that, she could just play in a room. But because she can't just play in a room and because it's not really safe to just let her come out of the room and wander around, um, then this does add a little pickle. And I will say what some moms do in this scenario, which feels like it helps, but in the long term, it doesn't really, is to go get that child and bring them in their bed. And they might even come in your bed and after an hour or two fall to fall asleep. But if you do this and you do it regularly, you're essentially creating a new routine. And the new routine is if you wake up, you come into my bed. So then you're making a new path that is going to stick, right? So if you don't want that to stick as a routine, then don't do that. Ever feel worried you aren't as connected with your child as you'd like to be? I have an easy tool to help you feel that connection. The connection that is already there, of course. I've put together 50 plus fun and interesting questions to ask your kids. They'll get you laughing and you'll learn a lot of interesting things about your child and maybe even about yourself. Go to amotherfarfromhome.com slash connect to get your free printable. That's 50 plus connection questions that you can use in just times of bonding, one-on-one times, even times in the car. So again, you can get it at amotherfarfromhome.com slash connect. So another thing I would ask is, has there been any types of transitions in the home recently? Like, is it a new baby? Are we starting preschool? Has Have we moved? So these type of things can interrupt sleep. And it doesn't sound like there's a lot of anxiety happening per se. I mean, I, I didn't get enough info in the question. But it sounds like it's just like, I'm done now. I'm just going to wake up and now I need somebody to play with. So the sibling's going to have to get up, you know, um, bless. I love babies and toddlers and preschoolers. I mean, all kids, but I love these little ones. They're so funny. Um, anyway, so if there's been a transition that's happening, it could relate to that, in which case you just want to keep on keeping on. And so one thing also that we, if we're doing some kind of sleep intervention, one thing that we often suggest is to move the the one who isn't having any trouble sleeping temporarily so that the child who needs this intervention is alone in their room. So I don't know if this is possible. You might not be willing to do that, and that's fine too. I'm just throwing out here solutions that when we're making customized plans, we might do. So for example, if we had two people sharing a toddler and a baby and we were doing sleep training with the baby in case of tears, etc., not wanting to wake the toddler. Sometimes the toddler goes to grandma's for a few days, or sometimes the toddler might have a nice pallet in the guest room or the living room or mom's room or whatever. So we'll take somebody out so that if there's disturbance happening, it doesn't wake everybody else up. So I see that this problem seems not as it seems more random. So that's kind of more difficult to do, but it is an option And I just wanted to put that out there for other moms who were listening. Um, It's okay to move a child who's not having any sleep issues so that they're not disturbed for during this period where you're trying to figure it out. 
So um, the next thing is, is, and you sound like, you know, just calm and collected. So I'm loving this for you and for your kids. But it's very hard to remain calm and collected um, when kids are getting up in the middle of the night because it's very jarring because we need sleep and we're not made to just wake up tons of times in the middle of the night. Like, it's just, it's going to be difficult. You have to mount a genuinely huge guilt-ridding campaign on yourself to try to make yourself feel enthused about, quote, nighttime parenting, unquote, because nobody is because you're made to be sleeping. So I just want to say and encourage you just to prepare yourself to try to be as calm as you can be. It's impossible. (laughs) It's impossible to be that calm, but just, you know, try not to get alarmed or angry. You don't want to bring kind of this angry energy in there, right? So, and, and that also is actually stimulating to the hormones and wakes us up and it wakes them up, you know, if even further, right? So we want to keep that calm, sleepy 3 a.m. Like everybody's sleeping at 3 a.m. You don't need to wake up, you know, as opposed to this like uh, high, high energy type of vibe, which will wake them up further. So we want to just keep at it and troubleshoot. I do, I would still recommend some look on the show notes for some of my resources and my sleep class will go into some strategies as well. But if there's been great sleeping up to this point, this tells me it's either the nap, it's too much time in bed, we need to make there be less time in bed. And if need be, we need to pull a sibling out for a little bit just to see if we can, if there was no other sibling in there, if she would just go back to bed because she was bored. Okay. So there's not a lot of scope for me to give. My time is up, people. My time is up. But um, I hope these got you thinking, got your mind whirling. And in the show notes, I will have um, the place where you can also record any questions that you have about sleep or anything else. I love answering these questions. And thanks so much for listening. As always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can find me on my website, A Mother Far From Home, and on YouTube under the same name. If you like this podcast, I'd love it if you could write a five-star review, and it'll help all the algorithms to get it in front of other moms who benefit from this encouragement. Until next time, keep it real out there, mama.